Today brings us another installment in our sermon series of understanding the image of God. We've been exploring our enduring faith tradition that affirms that each of us is created with a unique and divine imprint of God, and our faith tradition tells us that we know it's, it's not always easy to see that image in the other person, whether it be an immigrant, someone of a different ethnicity, a different gender, Sometimes we don't see it in our own family members. And Katie had a sermon of how we are a composite in our 23andMe genetically from who we've inherited uh, all of our traits, including God. Today I want to speak and think specifically about who we are ourselves as created in the image of God. Because although we need to see the other person as created in the image of God, we need to know that that's true for us as well. And how do we live into that possibility? The scripture passage for the today is a beloved treasured psalm, Psalm 139. I'm going to read it for you, but if you'd like to follow along, you can find it in your pew hymnal in page 540 if you so choose to do so. Sorry, I know we don't have Bibles over there, but you can come steal one, but uh, I'll be reading it if, uh, if you'd like to. And in preparation, let's, let's pray that God illuminates our hearts with these words of scripture. Please pray with me. God of all truth, who can stand before you? We judge by outward appearances, but you examine our hearts. We see what is on the surface, but you discern beauty deep within. In these ancient words of scripture, point us to your eternal truth and love, that in hearing we may believe, and in believing, live to your glory. Amen. Hear these words from the psalmist. O Lord, you've searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the grave, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle in the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you, for the night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's wombs. God, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Here ends our reading. The maker of smartphones, Samsung, one of the worldwide makers of smartphones, estimates that in a lifetime, each of us will take 25,000 selfies. As I kept writing this sermon and editing it, I kept thinking, that's just crazy. That's 25,000 selfies. So back of an envelope calculations, and I'm not always that great at it, but I checked my math. Our youngsters very likely take four selfies a day on average. Now, maybe some days it's only two selfies, but certainly there are days where they're, they're popping out a lot of selfies, maybe 12 or more. We know that. 
So if it's on average four selfies a day, 365 days a year, over 20 years, that's actually close to 30,000 selfies. My guess is you've appeared in some of those selfies and you're taking selfies yourself. That math is also confirmed by the social media site Instagram that reports that there are a thousand selfies loaded up each second. So by the end of this worship service, there will be three million more images in the Twitter sphere that we can go look at. All in the image of God, perhaps. With such a volume, I couldn't find a reliable list of the top selfies anymore because of the volume, so you can find now the top selfies by genre the top selfies that are the most dangerous selfies, a selfie gone wrong, selfie with animals, there are a lot of those, and even selfies taken by animals. You laugh. There was a macaze selfie that gained worldwide popularity, which resulted in, of course, a court case. The owner of the camera fought for the exclusive rights to the image, claiming that the monkey can't own it, and it's his property since he taught the monkey how to pose, and quite candidly, the photographer needs the money. So he won the lawsuit. It's really a great picture of this macaw. Five years ago, the Oxford English Dictionary decided that the word selfie, the word selfie is so ubiquitous that in 2013 it became the word of the year. Art critic Jerry Saltz defines a selfie this way, I quote, a selfie is a fast self-portrait made with a smartphone's camera and immediately distributed and inscribed into a network. A selfie is an instant visual communication of where we are, what we're doing, who we think we are, and who we think is watching. Now, as an aside, I'm exploiting this phenomena of selfies, and I realize that some of you might think, I don't take selfies, that's just not part of who I am. So exchange the word selfie for any variety of self-portrait posed portrait, family portrait, autobiography, memoir, family photo album. The selfie is just one of the wide range of medias that we use for self-exploration as well as self-expression. A selfie is a convenient way to say, I am here, my life matters. It's a picture of our possibilities, and it perhaps is more meaningful to us than our birth certificate. Selfies reveal our human nature, and through them we explore our individuality, as well as through them we create relationships. Theologian Craig Detweiler believes there's value in mining an ancient Roman myth to understand one aspect of selfies. And the ancient Roman myth is of a extraordinarily beautiful man by the name of Narcissus. While walking in the woods, this Nymph named Echo sees Narcissus and immediately falls in love with him. Unfortunately, this woman Echo has been stripped of her ability to speak and she can only repeat fragments of what she has heard someone else say. Aware of her presence in the woods, Narcissus asks, who's there? Echo responds, who's there? That's all she can do. So she takes a risk for love and she opens her arms wide in a very vulnerable step in that she seeks to have a relationship with this man. She is vulnerable and she is unguarded in seeking to love him. But at that moment, Narcissus yells, hands off, may I die before I give you power. As if a relationship requires surrendering power. 
But in fact, a relationship does require surrendering power. He's correct. To be in a relationship with another person means that we are no longer solely the center of our universe. Rejected Echo retreats into a cave, her bones fade, and she becomes a thin voice of her former self. Being overlooked and ignored, heard but unseen, it was a devastating curse for her. After learning of this, the god of revenge, Nemesis, learns of this tragedy, and he decides to punish Narcissus. So he becomes thirsty, and when he finds a glassy pool, he reaches forward for a drink, but that's when he sees himself, and he falls in love with a reflected image. Wanting more than just to drink, he reaches into the water as if to hug himself. And this is when the author of the myth speaks forward personally to us and says, Oh, foolish boy, why vainly seek to clasp a fleeting image? That which you behold is but a shadow of a reflected form and has no substance of its own. That image has no substance of its own. When Narcissus realized he could not attain the object of his love, loneliness and despair set in. And seeing nothing beyond this fleeting image of himself, he despairs to the point and takes his own life. Now, if the myth of Narcissus were written today, rather than a glassy pool, he might find delight in posing for and posting selfies and pursue accolades and likes and retweets on social media. And if the image were not exactly perfect, he could use an app on his smartphone to Photoshop it or edit it or enhance it to ensure that it's appealing to whomever it might see might see it. For Narcissus, social media would not be the vehicle to create or enhance relationships, but merely a media to further magnify his image and be seen by more. Narcissus would constantly curate his selfies to his liking. He would ignore intimate encounters as he did with Echo, since he can't risk sharing anything of himself or revealing his flaws and it would lead to the same tragic demise for those that he rejects and for himself. Now that was just a myth, but we all know that myths contain great truths. Myths endure because their stories convey truths about our human behavior. But we also know of possibilities within our human behavior and it's that which our faith tradition teaches us and reminds us of a universal higher truth. And that's most importantly what we keep talking about. God created the world in which we live. God created each of us, each of us humankind in God's own image. God blesses the diversity of humankind and calls us very good for the wide ways in which we reflect God's image. Each of us unique, each of us beautiful, each of us beloved. Psalm 139 reflects the understanding that our lives are enclosed in this divine reality. God knits us together in our wombs. God knows our thoughts before we can even claim that it's an idea. And God is within every fiber of our being. We are never autonomous. Knowing this with humility, the psalmist merely sighs. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. The psalmist knows there's no place, not the highest mountain, nor the furthest sea, nor even the grave to escape God. And finally, in God's care, there is no need to be afraid of the dark, the darkness of life, the deep valleys of pain, 
the despair we might feel or whenever we lose something because God is always with us. The psalmist is never free from God, but rather embraces the possibilities inherent in reflecting God. The psalmist could gaze at that same glassy pool as Narcissus, only the psalmist would see an image that God loves. The psalmist would also marvel at God's presence swirling in the water and know that the water is God's creation. And the psalmist would not be threatened by, but rather delight in another person's desire for relationship because that person too is created by God. You see, God and self are extricably linked together, and perhaps this psalm might have been considered one of the first selfies with God. So a selfie presents us with a choice, many choices. What do we see when we see ourselves? Narcissus's life was limited only to his capacity of what he could see, which was only himself. But the possibilities for the psalmist are endless when imagined in the realm of God. Now, in some ways, I'm making an unfair comparison between Narcissus and the psalmist, and I will never again write a sermon with Narcissus and have to say it so much. (laughs) I thought I learned my lesson with Mephistopheles one year, but... With Narcissus, he always had this human character flaw, and it's something that we all have that we could fall prey to. But the psalmist was a real human like you and me, and the psalmist knew to live into the possibilities that God created, possibilities we all have for our lives that we can't begin to imagine on our own. So let's compare and contrast. Narcissus would brag through his selfies. The psalmist is humbled by seeing God's divine imprint and presence in an image. The psalmist would Photoshop out any flaw because he fears shame. The psalmist knows that shame is always optional in a world where God's grace abounds. We're created to be human, and we are always renewed by God. Narcissus would be chasing the moment, addicted to the pleasure of affirmation, but the psalmist willingly reflects on how to live as God's desires and willingly sees the long arc of a lifetime of portraits to know where he's come from, where he's going, and that he might not know the future. Narcissus constantly seeks mountaintop experiences to maintain a euphoria, and the psalmist is patient to receive divine encounters, aware that they are never manufactured and usually occur only when we are most vulnerable. There's a young woman by the name of Haley Watts. She's an 18-year-old student, and she, has a, she had a large number, 15,000 people, who would follow her posts on Instagram. She was considered an influencer with such a large following. But Haley Watt developed acne. And so she started to raid the makeup counter at Walgreens looking for all kinds of cover-ups, which over time seemed to aggravate her skin even more. So after seven months of trying to hide her condition or editing her photos or trying to get them out of there, she just stopped. And I quote Haley by saying, she said, I realized that my appearance wasn't the thing that made me who I am. And that minimized the importance I put on those spots on my face. Now some would have considered what she did next as social media suicide. 
she posted photos of herself with a completely clean face, smiles, and blemishes. Yeah, she received a few taunts at first, but rather than abandon her, the opposite happened as thousands of teens began sharing messages of their own struggles with acne and affirmed her beauty and their beauty. As of yesterday, I looked on Instagram and Haley Watt has 161,000 followers, a tenfold increase. The paradox of selfies is that they may threaten our soul and psyches with narcissism, doubt, or alienation, destroying what God created. Or the selfie, a selfie, a self-portrait, a memoir, a posed portrait, or anything that captures us, even the mirror. It can reveal an image of our divine creatureliness over time. And if candidly examined, it can reveal the depth and breadth of God's good creation that's within each of us. Seeing ourself as a selfie with God reminds us of the possibilities God seeks for us, and we just need to lean into it. Please pray with me. God, you know us better than we know ourselves. You know our thoughts, our weaknesses, our possibilities. You know our hearts and love us still. Inspire us to imagine how our lives are bound in you. God, we offer this prayer to you in the name of your word made flesh, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen.